The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, January 17th, 2018, Season 13, Episode 100. Welcome to another edition of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Very happy to have a uh, larger version of David Hellman in studio with us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> back to the old days. We got Brian back with yeah. us today. Is it really the hundredth episode? It is our hundred of this season. Of the season. Of the season. I just right. watched my hundredth player already of the college just today. You're moving through them, aren't you? I'm trying. When, fa- when, is that faster than normal? Yeah, when you get bounced from the playoffs early, yeah, well, you can time. start a little earlier. Yeah. <laughs> when did you start? Like December? Well, it's December fifth. December fifth, okay. and then once you know we started doing stuff. At night, and then and then we've had two of the draft shows on. Yeah. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Yeah. And Brugler and I sit there and blow through some guys too. I mean, I'm down to guys now. I'm thinking like third, fourth round guys. I saw so this Delta State or somebody yeah. the other day. There, I mean, there's like, a Delta State. Yeah, watch the little Delta Where State. Film. It's a uh, Mississippi. Uh, it makes sense. Delta. Yeah. And the Delta. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Delta. There you go. Yeah. Um. So you're doing on average, you do what? Two and a half players a day? No, more than that. I mean, I can with the way the Cowboys have it set up with their scouting department, which yeah. is one of the great things. And thank you, Jones family, for allowing me to do this. But the the uh, they have a players cut up, uh-huh. so like they they all have twelve games. Like I'll watch a receiver, and they'll have the, all twelve games, all the balls thrown to a guy. Oh, so you just go bang, bang, bang just, on this you player? Can, yeah, yeah, you can watch twelve. You can watch a guy get a hundred balls thrown to him, and then write a scouting report on that. That's different than it used to be back in the day. I'm sure when you had to watch a full game just to get oh, the guy, was, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when we, back in Green Bay, we we did that. I mean, back in the day, guy. But yeah. we used to Ron Wolf, who's a Hall of Fame general manager. He would. He would have us cut up the tape. He was not going to sit there and watch like a whole, you know, he was, everything was cut up. So yeah. that's, we used to do it back in the early 90s. That's the way we used to evaluate. Oh, around when I was born. Yeah. <laughs> my wallet, that my, in there, didn't you? my wallet. <laughs> okay, when was everybody born? <laughs> Nick, I know you're an older 76. guy. 76. Okay, you're old. 72. 72, yeah. and you're. 92. Okay, my wallet is older than you. My wallet <laughs> in my back pocket, and I'll do this for everybody's. Uh, now, here's a better game. This wow. wallet right here, 1986. I've had this wallet oh, since geez. 1986. Wow. Wow. I know what so I'm doing. That was my senior year. It was when I was at LSU. So, yeah, my wallet is older than you. So, question. So, this is a better deal. Nick, what were you doing in 1992? 92, I was a. Junior in high school, mm. watching the Cowboys. Brian, what were you doing in 92? My 27th birthday, I started with the Packers, December 12th, 1991. So mm. I was working with the Green Bay Packers at the time, yeah. Nice. I, I was, was being born. You were being born, yeah. yeah. You were being born. The end of 92. Child. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most of 92. Yeah. No, it wasn't end. around, yeah. 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 That's, that's one of the things about working at this place. You get the great disparity of ages. So Isn't that the fun part, though, too? Oh, it is the fun part, part because, yeah, I learned a lot of different things that I would never know. Speaking of Snapchat, right? <laughs> I don't need to be on Snapchat. <laughs> no Snapchat. Dave's out today. Dave's got some uh, – he's having some personal time getting to commune with himself and <laughs> – Learn more about himself. Dances with the wolves. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm sure he'll have some stories for us by the time he gets back. Sitting in a campfire by himself, right? Yeah. Now. So uh, so we'll, he will not be joining us today. And actually, next week, you guys will all be, I know for Brian, yeah. Nick, Dave, you guys will all be in, um, in at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. And, uh, and so we'll have 
uh, three shows from there next week from uh, the draft show. We won't have a, a Cowboys break, but we'll have uh, the, the draft show there Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the rosters for the Senior Bowl come out tomorrow. Cool. So you've got uh, Houston and the Denver Broncos are coaching them up. And, yeah, full coverage, a lot of uh, – I know Nick and Dave will be hovering around the Jones clan, and I will be watching some players, and I'm sure there will be a lot of great content, reports from practice every day on their end of it, and then I'll be writing scouting reports about players that played well, kind of a 12 points, hey, north practice, south practice, who looked good, and yeah. kind of get everybody ready for that. Awesome. So you guys stay tuned for that. There will be a lot of really great coverage next week uh, from Senior Bowl, as we do every year. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of these coaching changes that are going on with the Cowboys. Um, it seems, and I'll, I'll start big picture and then we'll whittle down, but it seems to me, at least from what I, what I heard um, from conversations that have, ha- that have happened where you had interviews and, and uh, Stephen and Jerry talking to different media members, it seems like the idea was they wanted to keep continuity that was the reason why they, they wanted to stick with their head coach. They wanted to stick with their coordinators. Um, but when you start looking at all of the position coaches that are presumed to be leaving, like right now there's a lot that hasn't been determined. Uh, there hasn't been an official word on a lot of these guys, although we've heard reports that a lot of them are leaving. <laughs> Based on the reports we've heard, here are the guys you're going to pro- possibly lose. Offensive line, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, linebacker, secondary, special teams. That's pretty much most of your position coaches yeah. uh, that would presumably be gone, which to me doesn't necessarily equate to keeping stability. Even right. if you keep the head coach and the coordinators, the guys that are in direct contact with the players every single day, coaching them on every single nuance of what they're doing, all those guys seem to be uh, leaving. It, talk to me about the continuity. Is this a situation where really Cowboys weren't in control? Uh, these guys have expiring contracts and go wherever they want to go. Or do you think this is a situation where the Cowboys just kind of miscalculated a little bit on on how what they need to do to keep these guys? Well, I disagree with you a little bit there. I, I think that they're, they're, they are having continuity with their head coach and the coordinators. But it's a 9-7 team that missed the playoffs. you got to tweak some things. You're talking about positions like offensive line. They haven't been as good in the last couple of years as they were two or three years ago. Same with receiver, trending down. So change their voice in the room a little bit without changing the overall scope of things I think it was a pretty good uh, idea I don't think receivers were getting better at all I think they're getting worse I, I don't know if it's all on Dooley but maybe they just need a different voice so same with Pollock uh, Basatia I think that was just he just wanted to to go to the Raiders and maybe with a, with more stability and a coach that he's been with so different reasons there but I still I don't think that they're changing I still think they have continuity but I also think that they're they're changing some of the voices <laughs> <laughs> you guys just, I don't know. Y'all just looked at me at the same time. It was your yeah. turn. Your I, was, I know it was my turn. Sorry. No. She's not used I mean, she's used process. to Dave no, no, no. already yeah. jumping. She's yeah, Dave, Dave's talking. She's got another 10 minutes to think oh, about. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, just give no, an opportunity. No, I was actually thinking because one of the things I always think about when it comes to a boss, which I see, you know, Jason Garrett and the coordinators as everybody else's boss. So, one of the things that I was thinking is, you know, usually if an employer, an employee is doing bad, it could be the employee or maybe you just haven't made the right changes or done the right thing to help your employee out to be successful. So while Nick was talking about that, you know, I've always thought, well, it, it just we need changes from above, like higher than those kinds of coordinate, um, the, those kinds of coaches but at the same time, it's like, okay, now I'm trying to 
think of it another way? Could it be that, okay, maybe it was just not the right coaches, but then you look at every position and it's like, okay, they have been successful aside from the wide receivers that, are, you know, duly. But other than that, I mean, you talk about the O-line. Yeah, they've done pretty well. Bisaccia done a good job. So are those really the kinds of changes that we should be seeing or wanting to see? You know, I know you have a different opinion, Brian, on this whole thing. Yeah. But I just, you know, I, I just keep thinking, and I wrote this whole column really long. I got very passionate yesterday, but it's all in Spanish. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it, it was basically saying, you know, it doesn't matter, honestly, these kinds of changes. To me, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what happens in free agency because they don't do much. So it's all going to come down to the draft. Those, that's my only hope, the new players that they bring in, because as long as the coaches don't change their mentality of things and stop doing the same thing and kind of, you know, keep pro uh, progressing with the rest of the other teams, you know, being able to accept changes and being able to have a open mentality and not sticking to what they're used to do year after year. I, mean, I don't think we're going to see much different here. That's well said. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I think the thing that, that you, you look at with this staff and they did. They kept the continuity with the coach. I think that's important to Jerry Jones. I don't think he wanted – there was a time there, even when I was here, that we were changing coaches. You know, we, we were – it was it was the – Chan Gailey, I came in, and then, oh, Chan Gailey goes to back-to-back -back playoffs, and it's, oh, Dave Campo. And then the, we failed with the Campo administration. And then you bring in, you know, Bill Parcells, and Parcells is wanting to, you know, I don't want to coach, I want to coach. And Jerry got tired of that, got rid of him. I, I think that you look at this team – and, and you're absolutely right. You look at the draft and the way things are. I think that the roster is a better roster because of the continuity, you know. And But I think there's some things that, yeah, you absolutely need some change. Are you going to get some change with Linehan and, and, and uh, you know, with Marinelli as being, the, you know, the guys, the, the, the offensive and defensive coordinator? Probably not there. But what you've got to hope for then is – the outside. When we get to the Senior Bowl, hopefully they do interview guys. This Paul Alexander is a guy they've talked about as a possible offensive line coach. You know, when we haven't heard anything officially, but maybe it's a different idea. Maybe it's a different philosophy. Whoever they bring in, receivers coach, Nick's right. Maybe that guy in the room, you know, gets to Des Bryant and, or gets to uh, Terrence Williams or gets to Cole Beasley and says, listen, guys, when we were at wherever we were, this is the way we used to escape our routes. This is the way we used to do things. This is why I think that that is what your hope is right there. Yeah, draft some more players, more talent, more blood. Totally agree there. But I hope that they do continue to try and bring in guys, even if veteran guys. I didn't want them just to keep uh, uh, promoting guys within. I didn't want Kyle Valero. Nothing against Kyle Valero or nothing against Mark Colombo or nothing against Miles Austin. But I, I, I think there's a time and place for one or two of those guys. I don't think the whole staff needs to be that way because then, to me, that doesn't signify change. That signifies I'm going to run this room and I'm going to run it the way I want and nobody's going to question me. I want somebody to come in and question Rod Marinelli. I want somebody to come in and question Scott Linehan. Because let's be honest, you know, and I, we, I made a little joke about this, you know, the Yetis and the hoodies and all that will say last chance. It's not going to say recommit or <laughs> fight or win or 17 inches. It's going to say last chance because if they don't find ways to win, yeah. 
then the owner will step in and say, okay, I've, I've been very patient enough here. Enough of this, yeah. yeah. I've been very – and, you know, fans used to be very critical. I'm sorry I'm going on this rant here. No, it's all good. But, this, but the, the fans used to be very critical of Jerry Jones not being very patient. You know, not be you know, you know, why are you jumping around? Why are you making all these? And now all of a sudden he is, and now they're tired of him being patient. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's because a lot of you see what's going on in Philadelphia. Seven and nine team turns it around there in the NFC Championship game. That gets everybody's attention. You see what's going on in Jacksonville right now. You know, bad team all of a sudden flips it around. Why? You know, why are we not? I mean, we've had some good years, but why are, are we not? In this, and when, I, I think that she's, I think she's onto something, though. I really, really do. Well, you've seen changes in in the players. In yeah. the, I mean, a change of quarterback, running back. You've seen changes there. Yeah. Now, what are the other changes that need to happen in order to do that? Because yeah. you've seen Des be successful. You've seen Cole Beasley. You've seen wide, these wide receivers no be successful. So well, you're hammering that much, wide receiver point. I'm just saying, like we've seen them have success. Oh, now, sure. how much does the their coach has to do with it versus the actual coordinator. That's yeah. where it comes down to. But, you know, the other part to that, and it, it kind of rides along with that, but a little different point that, you know, I think this year you probably – you can look at a lot – the secondary is a good example in my opinion. You look at guys like Carr and Church and Claiborne, who I think – and I didn't watch all their games, but just looking at the highlights and seeing some of the numbers – it seems as though each of those guys was better this year than they were with the Cowboys. And that's the kind of thing that makes me start to wonder, is it what they're being asked to do here that makes us think they're not great players and we're not really taking advantage of their talent in the way that maybe they go somewhere else? And it makes me wonder, with these receivers that we talk so much about and we say they're not doing the right things, I wonder if you put them in another scheme where – and, and you, you do have to kind of put a, a filter on it when a player – uh, that's no longer going to be on the team starts talking. But when Bryce Butler was talking about kind of oh. some of those things, he was talking about with the receivers and saying, hey, they kind of pigeonhole you and put you into this is what you do, then it does make it harder when a defensive back knows you're going to run two or three routes versus yeah. the whole route tree. That kind of changes how they defend you. And I wonder I wonder if, to some degree, coaching is hampering some of the players well, from being their best. If you take the flip side of that, though, what do we all think about I know on our shows and on some of the Periscope stuff that you and I were doing, we always talked about how positive we were about the young defensive backs. Well, what happened to Joe Baker? Joe Baker's contract wasn't renewed. Right. So everything that we thought about, whoa, these young defensive backs, I'm sure that was a shock to Joe Baker because all of a sudden the decision is make, I'm getting rid of Carr. Mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of Barry Church. I'm sure there were some guys when, when Joe Baker filed his end-of-the-season scouting reports after three, 13 and 3 that he was like, Got to have church. Got to have car. Got to have – well, no, Joe, we're not going to do that. Right, we're we're going to give you some rookies. We're going to give you some rookies, <laughs> and you coach them up, and if you don't coach them up well enough, we'll get rid of you. Whoa, Joe Baker, you coached them up well enough. You saw some progress. Maybe the fact that the rookies didn't play the whole season, the injury might have cost Joe Baker his job because, obviously, they're, they're looking at his spot right now and saying, okay – Who's the guy? Who's going to coach these young guys? And that's uh, that's something that's very, very difficult because all of a sudden you're asked to make changes. The changes look positive, mm-hmm. but then you lose your job. You know, also you, you're watching like, are we sure Barry Church had a better year than he, than he did? No, no. And I, I mean, and I think we just watched the games and we're like, oh, well, they're still playing. So maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know yeah, if Barry he Church probably had a better. He probably had a better season because of who he was playing with, too. Like, yeah. When you're yeah, playing with a lot had. of talent around there, you make one or two plays a game, you're doing great, this right? The discussion we had one time was about, was, was Barry Church, if you could have one guy back, 
Barry Church would have been my guy because when all that was happening with with Lee was out of the lineup, Hitchens was out of the lineup, they're struggling with Smith playing the Mike backer. Who was the one guy that could have been the glue to hold everything together? Who would have been the accountability guy? Yeah. You know, that would have been the guy. Barry Church was a guy that would have likely stepped in there and said, hey, listen, let's get our heads out of our butts and start playing some defense here. And tactically a much more sure tackler than yeah. anybody else they got left. Right? Absolutely. He yeah. could have made up, I believe, for some of the problems that you had with in those three games when things weren't as good as they were defensively. Do you think that there's some challenges now that the Cowboys could have in trying to replace a lot of these position coaches? Because you mentioned it, Brian, with the, the last chance. Yeah, that shirt. Yeah, I mean, last if, chance. If, get if, ready for Oxnard. If, if there is an understanding, or if there's a perception out there around the coaching fraternity, yeah, that hey, Garrett's in a situation where if they don't if they don't play well this year, maybe he's out. Then maybe some of your good coaches, like I don't know if I necessarily want to go to Dallas because yeah, I could be right back into looking for a new job next year if things don't go the way that we want them to go. Right? He, he's talking to coaches that obviously are out of jobs. Need yeah. they jobs? That, that's got to work no matter the what. The whole idea in the NFL to survive, and it's just on the scouting side too. Stay in the show. Make sure you're in the show because the minute you're not, you're watching the show from the audience. They forget that you're part of the show. So coaches will do anything, especially ones that are out of gigs. They will say, hey, if it, even if it's for one year. So this is basically like a big game of musical chair. It is. Yes. You you're don't want to be the guy standing up when the music stops. You're, you're trying to get your lake house paid for at Lake Travis, you know, is what you're trying to do. <laughs> in Austin for you guys. Exactly, in Austin, yeah. You're trying to get the lake house down in Horseshoe Bay, another Austin place. You're trying to get your lake house paid for Rich Basaccia did that. Rich Basaccia figured out, you know what? He goes, you know, I'm kind of kind of see where this thing's going a little bit. Oh, last chance hoodie's not, you know, I don't like that hoodie. <laughs> You know, and so last chance hoodie. He doesn't want to wear last chance hoodie. He could go somewhere where he gets two years in California with a guy who knows him, and his guy has a ten year contract. His, exactly, right? as long as John, he'll get two years in. He'll get two years in Oakland, and he'll get two years in Vegas. And then by that time, Rich Passaccia can go back down with Monty Kiffin and all those guys and pay and, and be a part of the the Florida community. Yeah, you know that's really what coaches are trying to do. They're trying to get their lake house paid for. You know, and then they get to a point in time and they're like, okay, got the lake house paid for it. Hey, I'm going to do a little TV. You know, you're always trying to stay ahead of getting fired. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you, you just can't be the one standing when the music You stops. can't. You can't. And, and, again, great example is Joe Baker. Joe Baker, really, he was the guy that had – they said, Joe, we're going to give you a bunch of young guys. Go coach them. And they determined that, you know, hey, we'll move on from there. All right, let's uh, let's take our first break. When we come back, I do want to talk a little bit more about these coaches, uh, particularly the linebacker uh, coach Matt Eberflus and yeah. the, the reports that we're hearing that he should he would be leaving. Um, and I want to talk about it from the standpoint of keeping Marinelli uh, because Eberflus is a guy that that for years has been rumored as a DC uh, type coach, a uh, guy that should get that opportunity. And the Cowboys making a decision to stick with their guy in Marinelli ultimately not creating an opportunity for Iberflus, and then he has to go somewhere else for that opportunity. I want to talk about that and get your opinions when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. That's why Bank of America built BetterMoneyHabits.com, a safe little corner of the Internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? 
It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Ice cold Dr. Pepper and the Dallas Cowboys go way back. They belong together, like Texas and football, silver and blue, shotgun formations and Hail Marys. Having a Cowboys football party without Dr. Pepper is like having Thanksgiving without the Cowboys. Basically, we wouldn't recommend it. So next time you have a tailgate, home gate, or whatever else kind of gate, grab some ice-cold Dr. Pepper for you and your friends to enjoy. It's a Dallas Cowboys tradition. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields, and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. Back to the break. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Nick Eatman, Amber Garcia. And of course, Brian's joining us today. Brian brought us his in for Dave Hellman, who's out vacationing. <laughs> I hope you're safe and well, Dave. We'll see. If you're listening. Back. He's not listening, <laughs> but he may listen later. So. Tiny Jim. Yeah. Hope he has his phone on to find him. Yeah. So we can, oh, so around. We can find him. Yeah, he's wandering around in the desert somewhere. <laughs> oh, he's got water. I told him. I said, that's a bad idea, man. No, I thought it was a great idea. He's a city kid. He's it's a, a great idea. No, Get away from everything and just a, kind of have all right, a chance go to, a to, spa. to listen to your own yeah. thoughts for a second and just kind of yeah. you know, get away from everything. He talks to himself a lot anyway. He does. So this <laughs> He doesn't need to go across right. the Probably state. a good thing. Yeah. Probably a good thing. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit more about these position coaches. I, I particularly wanted to talk about the linebacker coach, Matt Eberflus. Um, there are reports that began with a post by his wife on, I guess, Facebook um, <laughs> that essentially kind of made it clear that, that the Colts were where they were going. Yeah. Um, and that's been since taken down from been what updated. you told me earlier this morning. <laughs> I'm sure her husband probably is like, yeah, let's, let's not do that. Uh, honey? Uh, it's not official yet. Let's not do yeah. that. But anyway, it's been <laughs> taken down. But, but that's what kind of alerted everybody to the possibility sure. that he'd be going with Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels hasn't even been named the head coach, but there is the suspicion <laughs> that he's going to be named the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts and that Eberflus will then move with him right. and become the defensive coordinator. Here's my issue with that. Um, everything I've heard, and again, it's hard to say with coaches because it's not like players where you actually watch them play every Sunday. But from everything I've heard of people who know coaches and know what coaches do, I've heard the the narrative that Eberflus is a really great coach and and is a young, good defensive mind that will be a really good defensive coordinator at some point. I wonder, and I don't know that this will be fact or not, but I wonder if this is a situation that will at some point be similar to a Sean Payton where you have a young coach um, that you think might be really good in the at the next level of coaching, whether that's as a coordinator or as a head coach. You don't have an opportunity for them at the moment or you're not willing to make an opportunity for them by getting rid of someone. And as a result, they end up going somewhere else and someone else gets the benefit of their brilliance. I do wonder if in keeping Marinelli, are you some somehow maybe shortchanging yourself on being able to realize 
defensive brilliance in Matt Eberflus as your defensive coordinator. What do you guys think? Well, I, I, just like all these coaches, time will tell uh, on that. Um, you know, I mean, I, I remember looking at the 2005 staff that had eight potential, eight uh, future head coaches that were on that staff that went nine and seven. Um, some of them, oh, wow, how could you let those guys go? Others that you're like, well, that, that's fine. So I, the only time will tell with, with uh, um, Eberflus, I do, I know, I know your point. Your point is you've got an older, not older, he's old. I mean, Marinelli. And he's it, got the lake house already paid for. Right. So do, do you <laughs> He's working with gravy right now. And he's he's right walking now. on the beach. He's playing the 17th <laughs> hole. I, I think there's wow. I think there's more to it than than we know. I mean, there's got to be. There's got maybe maybe this young great coach isn't viewed that way anymore. Apparently, I mean, because why why or, or there's just so much belief in Marinelli that you like we just can't get rid of him because we believe in him. Like that could be maybe. it too. Well, we talked about these other coaches. Uh, you know, the receivers were they trending down? O, o line. What would you? What are the linebackers? I mean, I, I don't know. Are the linebackers getting better? I think the issues with the linebackers have nothing to do with play. I think it has to do with injury. And and because of injury, I mean, you can throw out I mean, a guy like Damon Wilson, but but it, the, the the fact of the matter is... Sounds like Chaz Green got a guy fired. Yeah. Yeah. So... And, and he did some good things. Third-round pick didn't yeah. get developed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. But did Hitchens get developed? So I, He's a better player now than he was when right. he got I know Hitchens. I'm talking. Aberflus was part of bringing Hitchens in. Yeah. He was the guy that went to Iowa City and, and did the work. And he's a better player. I think I, he's I, a better player. I, he became I'm a better player as he was here. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm throwing out points. No, no. Yes, Hitchens is better. Wilson hasn't really developed. Right. Sean Lee, that's not Eberflus. Mark and Sacha left. I mean, he was never. He was a guy that was drafted. Yeah. Ends up at San Francisco on their practice True. squad. I mean, well, on your practice squad and ends up somewhere else. Yeah. Not really Eberflus's fault. Again, yeah. injuries that didn't get him on the field. Sean Lee could be a four-time, five-time pro, all pro if he stayed healthy. And I don't think and that's, that's on him. him. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't even say that's on him. That's on it's just his body. It's, it's just what happens. Things happen. Luck. Right, Jalen. How much real talk is there to the possibility of Marinelli being out? I don't think there's much. I think they believe in Marinelli personally. Well, let yeah. me ask you this: though. are you talking about the, the some of the rumors that we are hearing? That again, it's rumors that they offered Iberflus the opportunity to stay, with Marinelli getting the assistant head coach title. So Iberflus would be the DC. See, yeah, this is where this is where this tricky. Because maybe the Cowboys did do with their due diligence there. And maybe Matt Eberflus, and it's, 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 let me tell you, this is common knowledge around the league that Matt Eberflus was denied the opportunity to talk to the right. San Francisco 49ers. Matt Eberflus probably coached this year thinking, you know what, my contract's up. I, I'm, you know, they gave him the title of passing game coordinator or something like that to yeah. kind of make it look nice. It's kind of those titles make everything look good. and Everybody's, oh, but, you know, really what is it? Now, I know one thing you can watch. We've all watched practices, you know, in training camp. Marinelli leaned on Eberflus. The guy sending in the defenses, the guy, you know, the guy during practice, he was the one guy that was constantly, you know, coaching, yelling. You could hear, I mean, one end of the field is Marinelli and Leon Lett going with the defense line, and here's, you know, Joe Baker, and those guys are kind of quiet in the middle, and then all of a sudden you got Eberflus is yelling at all these guys. So, you're, you know, you're kind of got that appearance. But this might be a decision that was not in the Cowboys' hands. This might be one of those that, you know what, I, I, I'm moving on. And you I, think maybe it was based upon the fact that he wasn't allowed to interview last year, and so he he basically If we're playing like, charades, I'm, I'm just hitting gonna, my nose right now. Yeah. You got it. 
I, I know this about Eberflus. He's got a great eye because he was the first guy on, down on the field in Oakland that said that ball was a touchback. Yeah. You remember him running down yeah. the field? He, he's got an eye for, for these for these linebackers, got an eye for, for things. I'm not saying he's not going to be a really good coach, but maybe there is something. There's more to it. Yeah, like, there, like I think there's saying, a lot more. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely yeah. done yeah. as is. I mean, we're dragging our feet for a reason here. Yeah, this this you know he he should have you know I I feel like though that the Cowboys wanted to give him another opportunity. Now does he want it? It's this is a two way street in coaching, right? Because he's you know he, if they said okay you could be the DC, if he really wanted the DC job he could have said I'm in let's go and then Marinelli to make the transition and you know we still don't hear anything officially but we see him in the lunchroom and you know all that kind of stuff. Does it ever work when you you kind of tell a coach that you're going to be the guy in waiting? You see it in college sometimes. I believe it happened with I believe it happened with uh, with uh, Basaccia. I guarantee you though he knew John Gruden was going to get that Oakland job. Yeah, he knew, and then he's he's kind of thinking, well, you know, because again, there's things that you hear, you know, that were going on behind the scenes, and then all of a sudden it's like the the, the front office just goes, bye, you know, hey, I'm thinking about going to Oakland, bye. You know, so I, I, I think there's, I think, there's, thank you. I think it's a two way street here. I really, really do. I think yeah. with Eberflus, you know, maybe at the end of the day with Nick's list of guys that, you know, the, the Sean Payton's of the world and guys like that, they're the coaches that, you know, go on. Maybe this wasn't the Cowboys, you know, maybe they were going to lose him last year. Yeah. Maybe they would a lot. And then it would have been one of those things where you could have said, boy, they lost a really good coach. I think they, I think they're going to lose a good coach. Yeah. I really, really do. But I, I, I think it's a lot of it your decision. You know, it's you, you do the best you can and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and you move on. Nick, give me some of those names. You mentioned yeah. some of those guys that that had moved on. Here's here let's just look at this list of guys that are officially moving on from the staff. Titans coach Steve Loney's retiring but uh, and uh the Raiders. Frank Pollock's now with the Bengals. Derek Dooley's the offensive coordinator of Missouri. Joe Baker's contract is expiring, and he will not be retained. The Cowboys have have uh, officially said that. Yeah. Same with Wade Wilson. There's thoughts that he might be retiring, but he's been there for 14 years. He's not coming back. Now, uh, up in the air, Greg Jackson, Gary Brown, and then, of course, Eberflus up in the air. And then you've got guys like... Kyle Valero, Colombo, and O'Quinn, yeah. Keith O'Quinn, whose coach above them has left. Their assistant. So yeah. They were below the at special coach, teams yeah. wide receiver and O line. And so Paul Alexander has not been official. No. But it sounds like he, I mean, it looks like, it sounds yeah. like yeah. Uh, he's going to. I was hearing some positive things about Gary Brown as well. And I think that's a good thing with Gary Brown. I want to keep the continuity running back. See, that's honestly. the thing about it with Gary Brown. I like what Gary Brown, he seems like the one guy that's able to handle. The runner, the yeah. the runner kind of, you know, he's the one guy not afraid to get in the runner's face. And I think the runner being Ezekiel, LA, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I just used my <laughs> terms, the runner. Yeah. The runner right here. I think that, that he has an idea. He has, a, he's a good in the room. You talked about it earlier, earlier, Derek. Position coaches tend to be the guy that they don't want to go talk to Scott Linehan or Jason Garrett. They will walk into Gary Brown's office, close the door and say, hey man, what really? Yeah, come on. This is driving me crazy. Are I need you help. serious? Yeah, yeah. This 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 OC here. Does he not know what the hell he's doing? Yep. I mean, I'm trying my best here. Okay, all right, settle down. It's yep. cool, Brian. We'll get this right. Trust me. You got to help me here. Yeah. You know, you work with me here. We'll be. That's where that's where the assistant coaches come. They are in. psychologists. And they all are. Of that. They're, they're, they have they're, to be. They're your dad. They're your mom. Yep. They're your everything that you you know every every little problem you have. You're not going to go to Jason Garrett. 
well, it's about the process, and yes, and then, <laughs> yes, you're having, you know. No, they're going to go to some guy that they can relate to, right. that they can on a first-name basis. Hey, Ambar, I'll tell you what, I'm, you know what, this is, Scott's, whatever he's doing is absolutely stupid. Have you watched some of these other games around the league? Yeah. Can, can we not do any of this stuff? Yep. All right, man. Hey, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. And then they have to be the one that that has the ability to then go talk to that OC yeah. or that DC or that Absolutely. coach and say, here's what's going on. Here's some things we might need to consider. I've been in right? staff meetings before where the position coaches speak up. With this position coaches, Gary, what, do you, what about you guys? Well, let me tell you this. We're about to lose the running back here. We're about to lose the star running back because he's out of his mind right now. If I have to listen to him complain another day like I'm Dr. Phil – I'm going to lose my mind, you know? <laughs> so that's where the message gets conveyed. You know, that's where all the, the, the things, the transitions. And as scouts, we used to sit there and evaluate them. And I think that when you're talking about a guy like Gary Brown, who's been in the room, who's been a player, and he can say, hey, I know what we're asking you to do because I did it like this. Yes, and I, and, and exactly. I, that's not the, you know, to say some of these guys that didn't play yeah. or play at this level can, can't coach, but – I, I do think that guys like Todd Bowles and Jerome Henderson and Greg Jackson back yeah. in the day that have done it yeah. and played. It holds weight with it those does. players, I think. It does. Because they oh, really does. think he understands yeah, they what understand. they're going they, yeah. Exactly. That's the whole thing. You know, you, you, when, you, when you visit with people that have the experience, they understand the trials and tribulations and, the, the, you, know, the, you know, your coach isn't always going to like you. The OC is not always going to like you. And he's not going to play you. But you know, when you're, you're going to the position, why am I here, man? But you're I, not going to play me. Why am I here? But, but I will say this, and there are exceptions to every rule. Probably not the best head coach and didn't have a great experience here. But Dave Campo can coach defensive backs. And yeah. I don't oh, know if he played he, in the NFL. No. I don't think he did. No. But I can tell you this, he can coach DBs. And so, you know, there are exceptions to it. And, and I know he got those guys to play for him. So uh, you don't have to be that way. But I think it does help in situations like Zeke. And I think maybe at the running back position, maybe even more. I don't know any statistics around that. But it just seems to, seem to be a position where – Exactly. Egos. Where, egos, where you have egos with running backs – the ability for a running back, a former running back, to be able to say, yes, what I'm asking of you may seem impossible. It was asked of me as well. Yeah. It is what you this do is, as a running back. This is where Nick is absolutely right about Jerome Henderson when he was here. And you have Scandrick in the room, and he's mm-hmm. chirping with J.J. Wilcox. And Wilcox is beaten up on – or Scandrick's <laughs> beaten up on Moe, and Moe's feeling sorry for himself. <laughs> and Henderson's saying, shut the hell up, Scandrick. Sit down. Hey, get your head out of your rear over there. You're okay. You know, it's all right. You'll be fine. See, that's where, you, again, you get all these dynamics. The rooms, their ego rooms. Defensive back room. The receiver room. <laughs> Huge right. egos in those right. rooms. Right. You, have to all, you have to be Dr. Phil. Ugh. You have to be able to deal with a lot of personalities. Manage people. And yeah. they get on each other. Yeah. They, and they and then you no, know, that's that's you know sometimes like you say you're like I'm out of here, man. I ain't gonna deal with a bunch of clowns. <laughs> hey, real quick, I did want to before we take our final break, I want to ask you guys about Frank Pollock. You mentioned earlier that yeah. you thought the 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 the, the line uh, was trending down. The one thing I will challenge back on that, and I want to get your opinions on this. You look at a guy like Lyle Collins who has moved positions and by all accounts this year got better as yeah. the season went yeah. along. You look at a guy like. Um, um, I'm drawing a blank on the the guard Cooper uh, Cooper, Cooper yeah who this season got him got played better best. Oh, they, right. they played that whole left guard spot yeah, right to, if, wrong if, to start with if you want to go back to last year yeah. Ron Leary Ron Leary had a really great season there no at doubt guard. so I think there are some things that that point to yeah there's some things that point to the fact that even though the big elephant in the room is Chaz Green 
and the fact that he was not yeah. developed. There are those other instances where it seems like they have had some development. I agree with you. As a unit, I think that the unit this year as an offensive line was not as good as the unit last year. Maybe there were injuries involved there. Maybe there were other things involved. They were not as good as they were last year, so maybe that factors into it. But what were your overall thoughts about the offensive line play this year versus last year and really well, looking at Paul's career here as an offensive uh, line coach? Well, let me just say this real quick about how an offensive line can look. We we all remember, not Amber, of course, but 2006. We remember how bad that offensive oh, line was yeah. for the first six games blocking yeah. for Bledsoe, and Tony comes in, and all of yeah. a sudden the offensive Man, line is great, and then yeah. three guys go to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. It's kind of weird how that happens. Maybe the court, maybe it all kind of plays in together a little bit. But um, you're right. You make good points. I mean, those two guys had their best year. And 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 I think I don't think the other three Pro Bowlers they're all Pro Bowlers too still so um, you make good points it, you know why it was the Titans coach out you know why did that not work they made the playoffs so there's got to be the stuff in the room that maybe that we don't know about that um, you know led to this and also a mixture of uh, you talking about Chaz Green honestly there are certain players that yeah you think they have a certain potential but it gets to a point where you can't reach that potential and it just comes down to the player himself and you kind of have to move on i mean we've seen great things from the o line but then we saw this year and you kind of wonder what are those things that are really happening in the uh, you know on the other side of the door that we don't hear about so who knows? I'll tell you what, and a good point again, uh, two good points. The, the, the things that, to me, when a coach is under contract and gets released, my experience, he had a problem with somebody else on the coaching staff. Mm. The offensive coordinator, like we said, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not seeing him with you right now. Again, if a guy's out of con contract and he gets released, there's usually something more. Behind the door, we really don't know. It's not, it, not always about just the coaching. My experience. Yeah. My experience. I'm not trying to – I'm just telling you, my experience, when an offensive coordinator or another higher-up coach has a problem with a guy who's under contract and gets released, that's usually the Well, experience. you know, I wonder how much is him – like how much was he being limited by the offensive coordinator? Like those are the things that you could be doing your job, but if then you, you're putting some – you're giving – let's say, Derek, you're giving me some limitations to things that I can do. I do all and the time. Yeah, you make my heart, my job very hard. But, <clears throat> sorry. So, you're giving me some limitations, and I'm here trying my best and doing all the things possible, and I'm telling you, like, this is the changes. We need to do this. Like, can we do it? And you're like, no, we're sticking with this. No. So, yeah, I, I'm, am I going to stay here? Yeah. No. I'm going to tell you, you know what? Stick with your thing and good luck. It's who's carrying <laughs> the bigger stick. Yeah. And Yeah, the bigger stick will always beat up the other person. And when you're talking about I mean, it sounds the, terrible way to say it, but, but it's, 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 true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Whoever whoever has the higher Linehan has gone from a guy that needed to be fired to a guy that all of a sudden has this unique power or this this newfound power in that room. Now the now, the, now everybody's kind of saying, "Whoa, Scott, you're not going to have all your lieutenants come running in here. We're gonna we're gonna interview some guys. Mm -hmm. We're gonna interview some guys here." Especially when you're talking about this being you know last chance you again for for the Cowboys. Tell I mean, the, get ready for the hoodie. If the, if, the, if, back, shows, if we Eatman, show up training camp, back, there is a the last on chance the, hoodie. Yeah, last chance. Get, I told you. Get your Yeti. Have you ever seen that on Netflix, that show, Last Chance You? It's no. been its favorite show. It's, good. it's great. It is a good. It's, it's great. Two years of it. Juco. Yeah. Just, it's really it's really yeah, good it show. Good. 
Sounds like this is season three over here for the for the Cowboys. Oh, but yeah. when that happens, last chance. When that happens, it's like, uh, yeah, if this is my last chance, I'm going down swinging. I want a new old line coach. I want a new receivers coach. There you I'm go. Change it up. There you yeah. go. Well, we'll see if it all works. Let's take our final break. When we come back, I do want to talk about these NFL playoffs. There were some interesting things that happened this last weekend and some things that I think that have bigger implications on the rest of the league. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Cowboys fans know that the second best of anything simply won't cut it, and your skincare should be no different. A longtime locker room favorite of the players and the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas-based Jack Black, is the number one best-selling men's skincare brand in the country because we make products that help guys look smell and feel better visit getjackblack.com slash cowboys to get ten dollars off your first order of fifty dollars or more jack black look good smell good feel good official men's skincare brand of the dallas cowboys star sports tours is the only official fan travel partner of the dallas cowboys offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players alumni and cheerleaders that's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel, Will McClay, and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broadus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on Cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit Stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer near you. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Back to the break. Welcome back. It's the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And we're going to talk a little bit about NFL playoffs. Some interesting games last weekend, to say the least. Fun weekend to watch football, especially if you didn't have a dog in the fight because there were some really weird things that happened. Um, and I, I want to get into some of it. I will say this real quick, though. And we were talking about this on off the air just a few minutes ago. Do you have to go down that that route? I mean, with all the Michael Vick stuff I was that's about happened. To- I mean... What? I mean, can we just change that up maybe? Do- dog in the fight? I mean. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, let's change that up. <laughs> Welcome to 2018, Derek. <laughs> you can't say anything. I used to. I know. Um, uh, but, no. okay, so it, you didn't have a team you were rooting for. Is that good go. enough for you? Yeah, sure. Right, good. Let's work with that. Um, but, you, did, you didn't care who won. But I, I was thinking to myself, like, what was that? I guess that would have been Sunday night, uh, right around midnight or so. I was thinking. <laughs> Saints right now are landing back in New Orleans and they're waking up, you know, because everybody fell asleep on the flight and they're waking up and looking around like, did that really just happen to us? Like, are we really out of it? And Brian, you were talking about the finality of all of oh, it. Yeah. We've experienced, we've experienced oh, it a couple of years ago in Green Bay when you thought for a second, oh, we're going to win this game. And then just like that, not only Never do you like lose. That, though, right? Never like that. Huh? No, no, no. Yeah. Not like but that. No, the Minnesota thing was way different. That was. That was some miraculous thing where you kind of like there had to be some greater power that engineered what, that. Like, how does that happen? Right. What I always say is right now, you have to try. 
you have to try to lose a game like that. And that's kind of, you have to just say, oh, I'm going to duck in and not get a PI. He didn't. He did not get a PI. Yeah. He, didn't, he did <laughs> good not. Good for him. He did you know, not. But Poor kid. I know he's a great player and he's good. Good, yeah. going to be a good rookie. Be, I mean, he was a good rookie. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. It's just a hard thing to deal Saints with. Saints lost that game in the first half. Turnovers. Play, yeah. yeah, they didn't play well. Yeah, they didn't play their best ball. In the, in the you, know, you know what's funny is I, I'm sure. points down. You yeah. Know. When you talk about not having anybody to root for, like, either way, whoever won the game, like, I guarantee you I got some of these tweets, and it's always Cowboys related about, you know, everything just turns back to the Cowboys. And I'm sure there was a lot of just deletes of, can't believe Jerry Jones would let Sean Payton go. Oh. Yeah. I can't believe Jerry Jones would let Mike Zimmer go. I mean, you know, yep, that's what happens. That's how it goes. But there was a general theme, I think, this weekend um, that seems to be a little bit different than what than, than something we've seen before. I was convinced that eventually when you got into the playoffs, um, the quarterback play would matter. And it would matter in some instances more than the defenses because you had a lot of teams that were really good defensive teams and you had quarterbacks that you just didn't – I'll speak for myself yeah. – I really didn't believe in. I didn't think that they had the ability to go and win in the playoffs and 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 make plays they were going to need to make in playoff games because that happens in playoff games. I don't care what kind of defense you got. There are going to have to be moments where quarterback has to make a play. I didn't think those quarterbacks would – and a lot of them did this last weekend, and their defense were able to carry them along with their quarterbacks playing, in my opinion, maybe a little bit above their heads. You saw Nick Foles play live. Yeah. I mean, Nick Foles was a disaster that last game. I mean, to the point where you're like, there's no way. I mean, oh, yeah. they're, they're, Philadelphia's defense is – and it still might be the case. But if you look at Nick Foles, I think Doug Peterson did a really nice job of calling a game for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew, okay, my defense is good enough here today – you know, that's what you talk about coaches knowing the condition of their team and knowing what they have to do in a game. He says, okay, keep throwing the ball short. Keep throwing it short. They're not going to cover Run pass play. option. Run yeah, pass run, option. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Let's keep doing yep. things. Let's do, keep doing things that, that Nick Foles can do. Yep. You know, early in the game, he was awful. And you're like going, oh, no, here we go. It's going to go. But he outplayed Matt Ryan. Yep. You know, so, I mean, that's, that's where, that's where that, you have to look at – that's where coaching comes in a little bit right there. Get, when, get their quarterbacks to play better. When you look at the teams that advanced to this championship weekend, for all four of them I mean, are in the top five as far as scoring defense. Yeah. It does somewhat suggest to me that defense is, is a good, viable way, even if your quarterback play isn't up to speed, for you to get there. You think and, – and I guess when you turn the question then back to the Cowboys, do you think the Cowboys are trending in the right way defensively? You did like what you saw a little bit from the cornerbacks and the, the secondary as they were starting to mature a little bit. You hope, at least, that Jalen Smith is going to continue to take the next step and be a better player than he was this year. You saw a couple flashes. You hope that Demarcus Lawrence, number one, is back and number right. two continues to be the dominant defensive end that he was this year. So there are some things that make you hopeful, but what are your just overall thoughts of this defense when you're competing against teams like this that have really great defenses? In my case, I feel, I mean, I feel a lot more hopeful and more excited towards the future of this defense just because I've seen some improvement. And just looking at the playoffs, honestly, it just upsets me because seeing those teams playing and the turnout, I I just go back with the Cowboys. And I truly believe that the Cowboys do have talent. I mean, they have plenty of resources. They have all the resources they need. They have talent but it's just not being used the way it should be used and I remember in the middle of the season 
several players actually told me this, that they felt that the coaches weren't placing them in the right position. They weren't used uh, the right way so t for them to succeed. And again, it, it's just upsetting to see something go to waste like that. What's going to be your biggest question going into camp next year? I mean, you, everybody likes to talk about the pass rush. What's going to be your question? Because you feel like maybe the pass rush is taken care of, though, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. So what's going to be the my biggest one? Question? Is safety. I've yeah. I've always been with the safety, and it, honestly, I mean, we've seen it. Uh, honestly, to me, at this point, it just I just feel like it doesn't matter. You can have the greatest talent, but if you're not coaching him right or yeah. placing him in the right spot and position, it's not going to. So you're matter. more concerned about coaching than you are really the players. Yeah. Well. But you also have to take in, in, in part that any most players that are out of the league, there's a reason for it. If you go ask any player that's been out of the league for the last maybe four or five years, you know, they got hurt. They didn't get, you know, they didn't, somebody didn't put them in the right position. Mm -hmm. That doesn't always mean it's bad coaching. It just means, you know, it, you're not, maybe you're not doing your job. Like, for instance, like Bryce was saying that the other day. And, and there are some things that, that he said that you kind of agree with. Yeah. But, you know, when your best season is 21 catches and it was with Oakland, who traded you? You know, and he hasn't done better than that. It's hard for anybody like a Michael Irvin to sit there and go, who is this guy? Yeah. You know, and I, and I really wonder whose fifth receiver has ever made it to first take before. Is, is he – Or whatever it's called now. Him challenging the receivers. If he challenged Williams, would you have felt better about his argument? Yeah. If he doesn't challenge the receiving core – but he challenges, yeah, Terrence Williams. I, I'm challenged, yeah. That, there's a reason, you know. But I, honestly, but he kind of did because he said, "You look at the money he got paid." Right, but and, I think overall, he said, he's am I trying, are we yeah. trying to win? Yeah, but see, that's <laughs> he did kind of challenge. This, this is where you say I, I don't disagree with you there because if he's challenging Williams' spot, but you know, he plays X. I mean, it's yeah. the same position as Des, and I. I mean, so I'm just kind of sitting there thinking, I understand challenging Williams. I, I get that because yeah. I think he's a better player than Williams. I do too. Yeah, I, honestly, I think in the way I looked at it, him challenging Dez was more about the him saying, look, you got a guy that got more than 100 targets. There yeah. were plenty of opportunities when you could have gotten me more involved. Right. And and with the opportunities I got, I felt like I did the most with him. He averaged over 20 yards per catch, right? So he's saying, here's the guy that got the most receptions. And what did he do with them? You look at that, you take some of those away, and you send them my way, we would have been a better team. That was his argument, I think, more so than just challenging Dez directly and saying, I'm a better player than Dez, more just saying, you spent a lot of your a lot of your time going to him. See, that's, that's places. where Garrett loses me, because he'll say, well, you have to spread the ball around. Well, you really didn't. Yeah. You didn't spread the ball around. You know, and, and, right, and Dez Bryant's going to get targets, but... This is where Butler's absolutely right. When Jason Garrett stands up and somebody like Nick Eatman asks a question about, well, what about getting Cole Beasley involved? What about getting Ryan Switzer involved? Well, you know, we like to get everybody involved. Well, no, you really don't. You really don't. You're throwing one guy 100 targets. Pittsburgh doesn't get everyone involved. No, not, don't not, be stupid. Not at first. Hand the no, ball right, to Elliott, yeah. throw the ball to Bryant, throw the ball for first downs to Witten, and let's figure this thing out. Right. But that's, you know. Speaking of Pittsburgh, I'm changing it up a little bit. All right. Um, is there any doubt that I, I mean Todd Gurley will make a big case for it? And but Le'Veon Bell is not the best running back in the league. He wants to get paid that way, but I think you saw right there 
Give me Zeke all day long. Now, if I don't play fantasy football, it's, I mean, if I play fantasy football, totally different with, with Le'Veon Bell because Le'Veon Bell is going to get you all these start, these points and all these catches and, and that really aren't, you know, they're kind of hollow. Makes you, what, explain to me why you say he's not the best running back. Because there were times in that game when his cute style of wait, 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 that doesn't work against Jacksonville, and it didn't work there. And I'm just thinking, I watched the game, and I'm just thinking, man, I'd love to have Zeke right there. I'd love to have Zeke just, Fourth and one. just smash it yeah. right in there. And, and I yes, he is very productive, and I, most teams would love to have uh, Le'Veon Bell, and he's going to ask to be paid that way, receiver, running back, all that stuff. But I just think some of those stats are hollow, and I think fantasy football plays a part into it. And I, he's not the guy that I want down in the goal line. Fourth and one, you're not throwing it over the middle to Juju Smith. You're going to hand the ball off. No, I get you, and I, I think that I don't think they're hollow because I, I think this is a classic case of the two styles of running backs. You know, it's yeah. it's the big Barry Sanders versus uh, Emmitt Smith, right? You got the one guy that's that's flashy and has all the moves and can can get out of trouble. And, yes, they're going to take some negative plays because sometimes they're trying to do too much. They're trying to, instead of just taking it right up the gut right. and getting the four yards yeah. or the three yards or even the one yard, they kind of dance around and they get you the negative too, right? But there are also those plays where dancing around may turn what would have been a negative play into a 30-yard run, right? So I, I just think it's a different style. You're right. There are some things that Zeke does infinitely better than Le'Veon Bell. I also think there are some things that Le'Veon Bell does that are better than what Zeke does. I, if I'm if I'm choosing the guy I'd rather have coming out of the backfield, I still have not seen that pass-catching guy that we thought we were getting with Ezekiel Elliott here. I haven't seen him do that regularly yet. He has not been a great pass-catching running back out of the backfield. That's still- not not on the not on the on the level of a Le'Veon Bell. No, no, but Le'Veon Bell couldn't couldn't run the ball up the middle of the way. And that's did. but that's my point. Like there that's, are things yeah. that each one does yeah. well and not so well. Her point as well was earlier about talking about the coaches and putting guys in position. Now you're right. Could somebody come in and say, hey, listen, man, and maybe Paul Alexander, you know, the screen package we had or this this running back package we had in Cincinnati that got Mixon and those right. guys, uh, Gio Bernard, got those guys going. Well, hey, what about this using this with Zeke? And all of a sudden, Scott Linhan goes, Oh, we haven't done enough with it. Yeah. You're right. That's a good yeah. way of that's a good way of doing things. When we, we go to the every game, we, we see it every game, and, and what do we see two hours before the game? When we get on the field, what do we see? We see Zach Martin. <laughs> Is that where you're going? Yeah. Throwing the ball to Travis Frederick on deep passes. Okay. And Frederick always gets his yeah, in. Yeah. Always. It doesn't always look pretty. But I don't know how many guard centers, pro bowlers (laughs) that are doing that, which they they actually move the you know pretty well. You got a guy with good hands with Zeke. There's really no reason to not have a better screen game than than they do. And so I, I agree with you there. And I think I think Zeke, you know, you talked about guys that but are. He can't miss are, six games. That's the problem. <laughs> good point. Good, good point. We, good we didn't point overlook there. Um, <laughs> uh, can't dispute that. But I, I but but I, I do think that when you're talking about a flashy player like Le'Veon Bell and that one that's like real gritty, Zeke to me is a little bit of both. Zeke yeah. to me is closer to Walter Payton than Emmett Smith because he is a nasty football player that's got flair. That's got athletic ability, but when it's time to duck his head and get, you know, he could do it. Yeah, I would say I'd be interested to see if you if you if you ask defenders who would you not want to play to have to tackle. I think that I think that they would sell they would say Zeke. 
Well, for different reasons, right? Yeah. Well, Le'Veon, Le'Veon may make him look make, bad because he may make him miss. Right. But it's going to hurt. The physicality, the physicality yeah. of, of wearing you out game after yeah. game after game or down after down after down. Gurley might be the you know one of the best in the league. Though, right now, yeah. To be honest with you, everything. I think the the three of them are equally good. I think they all have different skill sets yeah. that yeah. make them good. So it it's, took it's hard McVay. to compare them. Yeah. Sean McVay was the best thing that ever happened to Gurley. Yeah. And and to that quarterback as well. So real quick, we got about three minutes left. Uh, we do this normally on our show on a game week. Uh, we get predictions. I want to get predictions from you guys on who's going to win these uh, these upcoming games this week in uh, NFL, NFC and AFC championship games, and then who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? You've got Philadelphia and Minnesota matching up in Philadelphia this week, and then you have uh, Jacksonville heading to New England. Let's start first with you, Brian. Give me some winners for those two games, and then who you think is going to win the Super Bowl. Well, it always feels like that there's going to be a home team's going to win, and yep. then a visitor's going to win. Mm-hmm. And th- and this is going to be, and I'm going to be 0 for two, but I'm going to go with Minnesota's going to win the home the home game, or actually on uh, on the road. But I'm going to switch it up. I'm going to say that both road teams. I'm calling for the upset Woo! in New England. I really do. I think Jacksonville defensively, and I'm interested to see how they play Gronkowski. I really am. Yeah. I, and and would you take a chance of putting Ramsey on him yes. and saying, okay, we're going to take a chance with Abouye and Gibson and Church and those guys. What other receiving threat? Yeah, you, exactly. Right? Yeah, whoever whoever yeah. else. The guy that could beat you in New England is Gronkowski. That's the one. I think that Jacksonville's good enough up front to keep them from running the football. Yep. So can you put pressure, get Brady's eye level down, make him look at the rush and then cover on the back end, hold the football, frustrate him. That's what's going to be. Can Bortles be good enough? That's going to be your, your big question, too. But, yeah, give me give me the two road teams this weekend and kind of weird football weekend. Who wins the Super Bowl? Uh, I will go with – I'll tell you what, I'll stick with Jacksonville. Mm. I think Jacksonville – I think Youngest ja- team in the NFL. Yeah, I think Jacksonville's got the – I think they got – they run the football. The quarterback is protected a little bit better. Minnesota's got a great defense. But I th- I feel like, though, when you talk about – the defense travels. Running games travel. Jacksonville's got a combination. And Tom Coughlin in that building and Doug Marone and those guys, I feel like they've got that kind of that toughness about them. Could be way wrong, but I said it for like about a minute there. All right, Amber. <laughs> That's going to be a, a good game to watch. Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville and I don't know. It, it's hard to bet against New England. Yeah, it's sure to it the is. point that it's just like, okay, yeah, that's the money winner right there. But it, I just think it's going to be a good matchup. Um, but still, I'm just going to stick with New England. And then Minnesota, probably. I think I'm surprised that the Eagles have been able to get this far with like their quarterback. Both teams situation. should have lost. If I you mean, yeah, both teams yeah. should have lost in, yeah. in, in their games. They really should have last week. But maybe I just can't. Put my money on the Eagles. I don't like them. So I'm just going to go with the other team, Minnesota and Super Bowl. Just You're not going to bet against Brady. Let's put the money on Tom Brady. That's hard yeah, not to. Yeah. <laughs> Suppo- right, supposed expert, real expert right there. <laughs> um, you know, the teams that have gotten um, Tom Brady out of the playoffs, uh, the Giants, Tom Coughlin, who, um, the, the Ravens, you know, they can get after him. And I know Jacksonville can Denver. too. Denver has as well, yeah. obviously, with, with uh, those guys. Uh, but, you know, I've never heard so much talk about how great a defense was that gave up 42 points. Like, I mean, they, they, they can be exposed as well. Now, I know that game was a kind of a shootout, and, and they can take a life. But this ain't, the two, this ain't the Baltimore Ravens from 2000. This ain't no. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 2000. Pittsburgh's a good offense. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, and they, they held Buffalo offense, to yeah. nothing the, the week I, before. I think 
New England will, will win this game. I agree. It's hard to bet against them at home. Sure. Um, and I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with, with Philadelphia to yeah. win the game. And it's weird because I don't want to see Philadelphia in there just mainly because of them. And I love the fact that their fans will still have zero. Um, and um, But I don't want to see a home team in the Super Bowl. And and I know you think that it's not going to be that way, but I I disagree. I think you're, you're going to hear a very... At the Super Bowl, and I don't want to. Do, I don't want to hear. This will be so, this New England, Philly. Yeah, this will be a test case, though. If Minnesota does get in, if future for future Super Bowls, what works and what doesn't, yeah. work, you know, because they're going to let them practice at their facility if they get in. Yeah, and it's so, it's, yeah. Just, it's just going to be weird It'll to see how, yeah. how that. But happens. that could also be. And I, I was having this conversation with my nephews the other day. This could also be a distraction. That's what you don't know about Super Bowls. Not being being in your home city. Friends, family still all around. Everybody in the city still patting you on the back every time you walk out of your door. Yeah. Like that could be a bigger distraction than having to pick up your team and move to another city. Well, yeah, you still got fans around, but you don't have people that are in, at arm's length to you, you stay at the and hotel. now have access. I, I get Don't that. Yeah, they, I'm, I'm sure they take them and put them in a hotel. Yeah. But still, you're in the city. Oh, I know. You are, yeah, no, you are right. more accessible to all of your normal environment. Yeah. And that might also be like all the other hangers-on and stuff like that that are now there with you in the same city. That sure. that could but, be a distraction. But at their facility, they can cut people off. You know, they can keep people yeah. away if they just kind of contain their thing. Who do you got? I, I'm actually, this weekend, my rooting interest will be different from what I think is going to happen. Yeah. I ultimately think Philadelphia and New England get in. Yeah. I don't want either one of them in. Yeah. I want Jacksonville to win that game. You want to go want Minnesota. Come to the dark side. Come to the <laughs> and dark then side I want I actually want to see Jacksonville win the championship because you know, I want to see I want to see that young team develop. I like that team. I, I have fun. I like watching Very that church. You know right about them. Watch. You know who doesn't want to see Jacksonville, Minnesota? The league. The NFL. <laughs> but I will say this. Ratings. I do think at the end of the day, once again, I think quarterback matters. And I think because of that, New England ends up winning it. Oh, sure. I think I hope in, it in all of these games, I yeah, think I it's, it's still going to come down to Tom Brady is infinitely, infinitely a better quarterback than any of these other three. And I think that's going to matter. Yeah, we Fine. thought that about Matt Ryan and uh, Foles, didn't we? Yeah, Matt Ryan's a little more. <laughs> flaky than Tom Brady, but I get your point. You're yeah. right about that. I thought more about that about New Orleans. Yeah. I thought that oh, Breeze Orleans, would pull yeah. it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're back lady. in two weeks. Remember, next week we'll have all these guys out covering the Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, so make sure you check out all of their coverage. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?